How's it going, everybody? This is Chris. Welcome to episode 166 of x Lapsed, where uh, we might be inadvertently doing uh, our books out of order, just for this episode and, I suppose, next episode. I was looking at the uh, Coming Soon page, and uh, an older one had this book before an issue of Marauders, but uh, looking at the ones closer to the actual date here, have Marauders above the book we're going to discuss today. So, uh... Apologies uh, for folks reading along at home and uh, who may not have covered this book yet, but uh, it's the script I wrote. So uh, we're going to be taking a look at Cable, Volume 4, Number 8. Now, this had an April 2021 cover date. The story is called My Dinner with Domino, written by Jerry Duggan with art by Phil Noto. Led as VC's Joe Sabino, designs Tom Muller, head of X's Hickman. Edits, Bisa White-Zabolski, cover price $4. This one went on sale February 17, 2021. Now we open with a note from Nate about Strife. It's one of those uh, mostly empty quote pages, so uh, we won't, I just won't pay too much attention to it. Then we get into comics, and we are in, uh uh-oh, deep space. Don't worry, just for a second. Uh, Here, we see a meteorite changing its trajectory, overlaid by Domino discussing how she doesn't really know how her powers actually work. But the important thing here is the meteorite. Remember that, I beg of you. Down to Earth, and our heroes are walking that mall from the Yakuza video games. Uh, Domino wants some gyoza dumplings, if I'm pronouncing that right, probably not. And there's a certain tourist trap here that serves up some of the best. And it's a mech-themed joint, where the greeter in a robot costume asks if Nate has ever visited before. To which Nate's all, nah, but I've eaten at Galador, which, I mean, we get, but dude in the robot suit probably just thinks he's being a jerk. Anyway, they pop in, and they have an awkward but fun chat. Now, Cable asks uh, Domino if he, as in when he was old man Cable, ever called her Dom, to which she says no. And I'm not sure I buy that, but I just don't have the time to fact-check it. (laughs) I could swear, I mean, they've known each other a long time here. It stands to reason that he might have just called her Dom once or twice. Um, Now, he also talks about having to retire his older self for being a screw-up and allowing the time-displaced original five to remain in the present for as long as they did, which we talked all about for like six hours here on the channel if you check out the X-Lapsedination series in the archives. Now, they take their seats and they start eating. Cable looks at Domino weird, which she takes to mean that he's given her the goo-goo eyes. She jokes that at one time Cable was too old for her, and now, well, I mean, he's a kid. Uh, You know, not that it ever stopped them from bathing together in that gigantic bathtub in the early issues of X-Force. I mean, old or not, whatever. 
Now, what she doesn't realize here is that Kid Cable isn't looking at her. He's looking right past her. Because as luck would have it, he's spotted the Order of X kidnapper, if you remember him from the last issue. And so Cable darts after the baby napper while Domino just continues to eat. She even swipes a bit off of Nate's own plate. Cable follows the fella down some stairs into a biometrically sealed door. This fact will also be important. Worth noting on the way down, our bad guy orders someone to begin the hatching sequence. This will also be important. But first, double page spread of roll call and cred. We got two characters here. We got Kid Cable, we got Domino. Back to comics, and our titular hero is unloading his gun into the door. This does not work. But then, the biometric scanning device does a once-over on Cable's eye, and it unlocks. Huh. Inside, Nate is faced off with the Baby Napper, or a clone of the Baby Napper, which is actually a clone of himself somewhere between his current age and his old man Cable age which is how our boy was able to pass through the bioscan locked door, if you follow. They have a fairly contentious and expository chat here. Uh, Strife is still alive, that much we know. Nate thought he'd killed him before coming to the pass to take out the old man, even though I could swear that Strife was on a cover of a handful of issues of uh, X-Force Volume 5, you know, the one right after Extermination, before Hoxbox. Though in fairness, A, I haven't read them, and B, covers are mostly meaningless nowadays. The baby napper mocks Nate uh, for both, you know, hating clones and also dating a bunch of them, uh, referring to the Stepford Cuckoos, of course. We also learn that the Order of X fella that Nate killed in that house in the woods was also a clone of him. Then the hatching begins, and a dozen kid cable clones rush toward our man. So Strife is cloning kid cable, or just cable in general, a lot. Cable, however, isn't so much mad at his darker half here, but Apocalypse for creating and raising the evil clone to be the way that he is in the first place. I think that might be an oversimplification of the creation of Strife here. I remember a lot, whole lot of, like, Eskani uh, voodoo and hoodoo uh, involved in that, but uh, uh, honestly, it's been so long that I couldn't speak with any eloquence, or even less eloquence than I usually do, uh, about that. But, uh... What Kid Cable would love here is some answers. Unfortunately, he is currently honeymooning in hell. And, you know, he hasn't actually done any of this yet because this is all far-flung future stuff and uh, we're still in the present. Nate has some chicken-and-egg thoughts here, uh, like, did Apocalypse make strife to take Cable's place or to toughen Cable up for something yet to come? Is strife only around because Nate's here or is the opposite true? Is Nate only here because strife's here? It's good questions to ask. Anyway, over the course of the next half dozen or so pages, Domino finally stops eating her dumplings and assists our hero in taking out the clone brigade. Now, one of the Nates dives out of the way, claiming to be a friendly. He then approaches Domino to thank her, to which she shoots him right between the eyes. This, of course, was another fake. Our Nate is at the bottom of a dog pile of Nates, all of them dead, except him, of course. Uh, worth noting... As Domino enters the scene, she cautions Cable to aim for the limbs or risk ending up in the hole with Sabretooth. But then she blows all the clone's brains out. So is this the further devaluing of clone life? 
Is Chris going to spend the next ten minutes talking about Madeline Pryor and Scout? Uh, no, I won't. Uh, just know that I really, really want to. Anyway, Domino realizes that she's taken only eleven of the twelve clones out. And just as she realizes that, hey, that twelfth clone shows himself. Nate and Domino step into a puddle. Remember that, it's going to be important. Our heroes tell the clone to drop his weapon, and so he does. The dropped pistol somehow electrifies the puddle on the ground, rendering Dom and Cab shocked and brought down to their knees. The clone does the James Bond villain thing, where instead of just killing them both, he tells him he's going to kill them both, and then what he plans to do afterward. Now you see, he plans to take Kid Cable's spot on Krakoa. I mean, stands to reason, doesn't it? Now it's a kind of a moot point, however, as, uh... Y'all remember that meteorite from the beginning? Yeah, that one I told you to remember. Don't forget about it. Yeah, that one. It comes crashing into the scene, smashing into the clone, taking him out completely. All we got left to him is his feet. Domino tells Nate that it's been real, but please lose my number for a few years. So, bada-bing. From here, an info page, and it's a text message exchange between Domino and Beast, wherein she explains the mess that needs cleaning up. Worth noting... We get a maggot mention here, which ought to make at least one listener quite happy. Now, after an admittedly funny exchange here, Beast states that X-Factor is on their way to take care of it. And I didn't realize that was part of X-Factor's gig, but then again, I didn't exactly know that it wasn't, so who knows. Back to comics, and we're back in another place, another time, with Old Man Cable. If you remember that, that was a long time ago. He's about to enter that citadel we saw him approaching, like, six months ago. He gets in, steps over a tripwire, but then crashes through the floor. Seems that his nemesis knew he'd step over the tripwire and decided to, uh, you know, double his pleasure there. Now we wrap up with him plunging into the darkness while an unseen nemesis mocks him a whole lot. And that's where we leave it. Next episode, we get to Marauders number 18, which... Depending on which coming soon list you're looking at, uh, might have come before this one. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, let's talk about this one. Let's do it. Now, this one was um, a bit weird. Uh, I'd say that this shows uh, sure signs of truncation, while at the same time it doesn't exactly feel rushed. Just a whole lot of exposition and pieces like falling conveniently into place. Um, now let's do something a little bit different today, and we'll start with the art. Okay, this is Phil Noto, so it's lovely, right? It's great stuff here. But shouldn't it be just a little bit clearer that the Order of X guy is a middle-aged Nathan? I mean, it's not just us who don't see the resemblance. Nobody in the book seems to be able to either. Now let's go back to Extermination, which, I mean, Exlapsination is in the archives if you want to hear it. There, young Cyclops is able to recognize Kid Cable on sight. He's never seen him before, sees him as a child, and is like, that's Cable. But here, nobody has been able to deduce the middle-aged one here is who he is. Just last issue, Nate and Rachel were right up on him, and neither of them noticed? Did Rachel not perform like a side scan or anything? This uh, just feels a little, little convenient. Uh, I mean, maybe it's the domino effect, I don't know. Speaking of Domino, uh, you know, I could probably do without super aloof Domino. Uh, she really comes across weird here. Um, I will concede that I haven't read much of her semi-recent solo stuff. I think there was like a Hot Shots, trade or, uh, Hot Shots uh, miniseries or something. Uh, 
But is this how she is now? I mean, I remember back in the day being really annoyed that she was, like, all business. She was, like, always super serious. But it seems like like they might have, like, overcorrected with her here. Um, here she doesn't have any of the depth that we've seen from her in X-Force. It felt, and I really hate to say this about Duggan's work, it felt a little try-hard. And, uh, like, they were really trying to make, like, drive this point home that Domino is, like, this carefree character when we know from her time in X-Force that she's not... I don't know. Now let's get to the clone stuff. Because you knew I was gonna. The middle-aged Nate clone makes some interesting points here. First, he brings to our attention and reminds us of the fact that the Stepford Cuckoos are clones, right? I mean, we knew that, but they haven't really talked about it a whole heck of a lot. Here they are. Now the Cuckoos, at least two of, have been resurrected as we entered into the Hoxpox era which says to us that clones can be resurrected. So long as you have a a cheering section on the Quiet Council, I guess. Now this makes it so the refusal to resurrect Madeline is a little bit more of a personal decision than strict Krakoan law sort of a situation. And I like that a whole lot. First, because it actually shows us that it matters who holds the seats of power in Krakoa, right? They're not just... You know, empty suits and seats. They they actually are, they're actually making change or stopping change here. They're they're affecting things. Now, second, because it's sort of kind of evidence that there's still free thinking at play on Krakoa. Now, if we go to our one of our leading theories here, uh, that we've got we kind of write off any bizarre behavior that we witness due to potential Krakoan influence which, of course, may ultimately wind up becoming a version of a hive mind that Mora is so worried about with the rise of the machines and the phalanx. But here, at least in this situation, we can see that the characters are working in their own best interests here. They choose not to resurrect Madeline. We don't know what's going on with Scout, if, if she were to, to perish. But the cuckoos are back, right? I mean, that's, uh, that's weird. Unless, of course, I'm thinking way too hard on this, which... <laughs> I mean, this is one of my favorite topics of the show, so it's a very good possibility that that is the case. Uh, Now, it's also worth noting here that Domino wastes no time blowing the brains out of all these clones. Which, considering how she cautioned Cable not to go for the kill just moments earlier, tells us that Krakoans, or at least Domino herself, does not view clones as people. Right? That's going to be kind of sticky, and I I hope it's going somewhere, because, I mean, Domino, before she saw that these were clones, she she said, don't kill them, or else you'll wind up in the hole. She sees these living beings here, recognizes them as clones, and says, okay, it's, it's free game now, I can just take you all out, and that's exactly what she did without any fear of uh, retribution or being sent to the hole, because I guess clones are considered lesser than. They're not men. You know, that, that Krakoan law, I mean, they're, they're kind of wibbly-wobbly on what the third Krakoan law is. Is it, is it, or might be the first Krakoan law, is it kill no man or kill no human? It's, it depends on which is the, the last one we heard here. But what, it, what this says to me is that Domino does not consider clones to be human or man. And they are so much fodder here. And it's exactly what we saw. It really, 
I don't know, it gives us a whole lot, it gives us more questions. And uh, I, and these are questions that we actually, I, I can speak for myself, of course, I want to see the answer to this question. I want to see how this plays out. So uh, definitely high points for raising those points. Um, let's talk about Old Man Cable. It's been a minute since we last, last saw him, right? Um, actually, it's I think it's been since like Cable number two, which... I mean, we discussed Cable number 2 back in episode 87, which came out December 17th of 2020. And you know, while we're looking at the archives here, um, we actually talked about the first issue of Cable 101 episodes ago. That's a long time. Uh, It doesn't feel like we've been doing this that long. Anyway, Old Man Cable is back here, but where and when exactly is here, right? Where, Where are we? When are we? Now, I got a theory. I have a theory here. I don't know if it's a, uh, a good one. Uh, but would it be completely out of the realm of possibility that old man Cable here is stomping around a far-flung future version of Krakoa itself? You know, he was about to enter a citadel or whatever it was after it scanned him. You know, he went up to this door, this little lock on it, gave him the once-over, and then unlocked and opened is that like a mutant lock sort of gimmick? I mean, I don't know. This could definitely be leading somewhere very interesting. And I'm also becoming more and more convinced that uh, Old Man Cable will probably be coming back at the end of this volume. Um, I- I've seen the cover to Cable number 12. If uh, It looks like a... Uh, if, you get, if you look at number 11, it has it's like a half face of a kid cable... And number 12 is the other half of the face as Old Man Cable. So here I'm thinking, I mean, and I mentioned earlier, covers are meaningless mostly, but I don't know, that that tells me maybe, maybe we're getting the Old Man back, which, you know, back when we started this little X-Lapse uh, journey here, I thought I'd be looking more forward to, you know, um, when we started this, I, you know, the very sight of Kid Cable caused me to roll my eyes. I was like, why do we need this? But now... Largely due to this volume, I've really grown attached to him. And I mean, I guess we still have a bit of time before we find out, so we'll save those concerns for later on here. It's just uh, it's just speculation at this point, but uh, I mean, that's, that's kind of what we do in this segment of the show, isn't it? Overall, <laughs> we are at the two-thirds point in Cable Volume 4. And while I'm still enjoying it very much, I feel like... This was a pretty confusing little outing here. Um, Like I said, there's a feeling of truncation, but at the same time, it doesn't feel rushed. It just feels maybe a little too convenient. But then again, I mean, this was a Domino issue, and Domino, if nothing else, is is a convenient character, isn't she? But that will do it for our discussion of this issue of Cable. Uh, We are once again mailbagless, so no mail today. Hopefully that'll pick up over the next uh, couple of episodes. But uh, I do have some news. I got news here. News you could use if you would like to use this news. Uh, We got election news here. We got two more of our candidates for the new team of X-Men kicked out here. They're just uh, eliminated from contention. And those characters are Marrow and Armor. They did not win the vote. So now we know it's not Forge. Not Strong Guy, not Marrow, nor Armor. All we've got left to pick from are Polaris, who is probably going to win, Boom Boom, Cannonball, Tempo, Banshee, or Sunspot. So, uh, 
I mean, place your bets. I'm pretty sure Polaris has got this one in the bag. As I mentioned, I voted for Banshee. But uh, that's our election news. I think we're probably going to be getting election news probably every day for a little while. We're just going to narrow the field here, uh, eliminating one or two every day. Uh, Another piece of news we got, and this is thanks to our friend Evan Bevins on the Facebook group here. I questioned whether or not X-Men Legends was going to be coming back because the June solicitations do not feature it. You know, there is no X-Men Legends in June, but it is, in fact, coming back in July. And we're going to get a story featuring Peter David's X-Factor. The, uh, you know, the post-1991, or the, I guess, 1991-1992 team here. This is a story that's supposed to fit between X-Factor number 75 and 76. It's got art by Todd Nock, which puts him back with Peter David. You know, that's the old uh, Young Justice uh, creative team, which is really, really cool to see. Uh, We'll go deeper into this as we cover solicits, uh, you know, at the beginning of the next month here, or I guess beginning of June it would be. But uh, we do have a quote here from Peter David about this gig. He says, X-Factor are old friends of mine, and I was delighted when Marvel gave me the opportunity to revisit them. I have to admit I was a little concerned since so many years have passed, but the moment I started writing them, it was like no time had gone by at all. So I don't know what story he's planning to tell. I'm looking forward to it either way, though, because that is a, uh, that's a wonderful little run. Uh, way, way, way too short, <laughs> but uh, definitely, I think out of the... Uh, out of the you know 1991 launches or re- refigurings of the X line here, X Factor may have aged the best. It's uh, very very solid stuff here. But that's the news for today, and that's where we'll leave it. Now, if you'd like to get a hold of me, maybe add to the mailbag or maybe drop me a line with some uh, news we can use. Please feel free to do so. You could find me on Twitter at Ace Comics or. You can shoot me an email over to weirdcomicshistory at gmail.com. You can find me on basically any social media. I don't know how to use most of it, but I'm there. Um, you can go find blog posts and show notes at chrisisoninfiniteearths.com. There's also xlabs.chrisisoninfiniteearths.com for all the show stuff. You can chat us up on Facebook. Our group is 90s X-Men, having some real good conversations there. Right now we're talking about uh, the Heroes Reborn stuff and whether or not that's the X-Men tie-ins are things we need to discuss on the show. If you have any thoughts on that, please let me know, because uh, it seems to be a pretty even vote right now, with people saying skip it and people saying, yeah, let's give it a shot. So the more we know, the more we can do. So let me know your thoughts on that. And finally, for all your Chris and Reggie listening needs, you can go to chrisandreggie.podbean.com, available on all your noise aggregation sites, devices, and applications. And, uh, yeah, uh, that's where we'll leave it for today. I want to thank you all so much for sharing some of your day with me today. And until next time, as always, I'll talk to you again real soon. See ya.